0: Greetings! How's it going, listeners? I hope you're having an amazing week, and I hope that you find that your week gets even better with today's topic. Now, I was going to start this session with something like this, but it it hurts me to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, Yeah, so, like, um, you know, like, sometimes, like, I don't don't really know, like, what I should say. When I'm in an interview, like, I don't know. That's what we're going to talk about today. (laughs) How not to sound like that words to use and lose in your next job interview and really in your in in life in general but we're going to specifically focus on on the job interview my guest today is Tracy Hooper and I'm going to let her talk about herself in a moment so first of all Tracy thank you for being on the podcast
1: you are most welcome delighted to be here
0: so excited to hear this, and I have to be on my best behavior with what <laughs> I say. You know, I used to teach etiquette when I was in higher education. I was the etiquette guru oh. at my university. Well, here's the funny story, Tracy. I don't think I've said this on the podcast before. When I was in the university in Georgia, we had a woman who lived in, she was based in Atlanta, and she would come down and do our etiquette programs. She was this very proper woman named Peggy Newfield. I don't know if she's still around or not. And so, when I came out to the Midwest, to the university in Missouri, I just assumed that they would pay for her to come out there. She flew all over the country doing what she did. so, I just sort of ignorantly and foolishly walked into the business school and, and you know, presented this as the solution. And the faculty in the School of Business looked at me and, you know, kind of nodded their head and, and, and indulged me. And then they said, no, 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 you're going to do it. <laughs> oh. And I'll never forget, because I must have looked like a a deer in the headlights. And I'll never forget what one of my favorite, he was an accounting professor, and and we became very good friends subsequently. And Jeff said to me, Lisa, what's going to happen is you're going to study the experts, you're going to think about what you learned from Peggy, and you're going to bring all of that together into your own version of this program. And it's exactly what I did. And I actually did it for organizations and companies outside of of my work as well. And so the reason I'm telling that story is that people didn't want to go to lunch with me.
1: Cause, oh, 'Cause they were
0: nervous. They were like, I don't know what fork to use. And you'll and 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 I don't know why I had such a bad rap because I never hit anybody on the knuckles or anything, or like, you know, looked down my nose or my peered down my glasses at them or anything, but I had this bad rap. So that's kind of what I'm thinking about, Tracy's. I have to I have to verbally be on my best behavior while we yes, talk.
1: I know. People get so nervous, they'll say, Oh, I used that word so again. I didn't mean to use that. And I and I said please what i want to focus on today lisa is not losing all of these words i'm going to talk about but being mindful yes. of who we're using them Yes, yes, Some mindfulness. Of them we do need to lose, but mindfulness is <laughs> a big part of it. And, and next time we have lunch together, if we ever meet in person, I will ask you what fork I should use when I'm <laughs> eating my salad.
0: Fair enough, and I'll ask for feedback on how I, how I sound uh, verbally. Uh, so why don't you tell the folks about yourself? Give, uh, give them your story, Tracy.
1: Yes, thank you. I have a background in TV news. I was a reporter and an anchor at several CBS affiliate stations on the East Coast. Now I live in the Northwest with my family, but I grew up on the East Coast and uh, had a great TV news career. And then when I left TV news, I continued to write, produce, host, and voice corporate videos, medical videos, I've had a long stint with CSX Transportation for their internal videos, and I've continued to do voiceover work for the rest of my career. And when we moved to the Northwest, after several years, I began to notice, and everyone has, that the way people communicate is changing. People are Velcroed to their devices. (laughs) People are looking down at their screens all the time, and they are... Many people are not comfortable having this face to face or even now Zoom to Zoom conversation with people. What is a conversation like? And I had some friends, I still do, and they had organized a women's leadership program in Portland. And they said, Tracy, would you come teach an etiquette evening? And I said, Absolutely. Anything to promote civility in America. (laughs) And I had six. New college graduates in my living room, and they had applied for this program. They were from all over the country. They had paid internships. They lived together. On Fridays, they did volunteer work. And I thought I would go over, how do you introduce yourself? And how do you introduce someone else? And how do you, how do you start a conversation? How do you keep it going, et cetera? And Lisa, they looked at me like they had never heard this before. Ah. Uh. And after about 20 minutes, I finally said, would you all like to have a workshop where you can practice some of these, I call them skills for engagement or communication skills with some of your friends? Oh, we would love that. Great. One month later, I had 30 young people sitting in my living room (laughs) and I looked around and of course, I didn't know anybody but these six young women. And I said, does anybody know why you're here tonight? And one person raised their hand and said, I heard this is a crash course in becoming a (laughs) (laughs) grown-up. And I thought, oh, there is a business here. And while I did start off with the how do you connect with people, it has really morphed into a big business of working with companies like Nike and Intel and Microsoft and Providence Hospital and other places on how do you communicate with confidence? And what we're going to talk about today is what words can you use that sound influential and give, that have impact and make you sound influential? And what words can you lose that sound hesitant or uncertain? Because one of the hallmarks of confidence is how you carry yourself. And that includes the words you use. Are they becoming of you? Or do they pull you down, unconsciously pull you down? absolutely such an important topic and i think
0: particularly when we talk about the millennials and and gen zers who have grown up on their technology devices mm-hmm. and i know even even someone of my age uh, i remember going to my first networking event, live networking event sometime, I don't know, last year, probably in the fall. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things were opening up. People were starting to meet again in person. And we had a conversation at my table about how all of us felt super awkward because we were so out of practice. And of course, I had to laugh at myself because I I let everyone at the table know, not only am I out of practice, but I teach people how to network. And so I see a problem... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's that a disconnect here. What is it? Uh, a teacher heal thy or, or doctor heal thyself, physician heal thyself. I felt like That's I needed right. to I needed to work on my own self. So So let's let's talk about I think this was a fascinating conversation that you and I had about why we choose the words mm-hmm. that we choose. And I think we've all noticed that some people are much better speakers than others. And I've certainly had conversations with colleagues about that. So what's that about?
1: Why do we choose the words we do? There's a three-part answer to that question, Lisa. The first is habit. We speak the way we do out of habit. We're comfortable with how we speak, and if we don't get any feedback, which we typically don't, we keep speaking that way. It's safe. The second reason that we choose words is culture. Either our being a part of popular culture, which we all are, we hear it, we say it, we want to fit in. But the other part is your family culture. Did you grow up in a family where your elders or people in your world spoke a certain way? We'll talk about, I'm sorry. That's very, could be very much a cultural piece. If you grew up in a family where one of your parents apologized all the time, That could be the tendency for you to do the same thing. Don't brag. Don't come on too strong. Mm. Don't rock the boat. Therefore, we pick up words that help that we don't know it, but they really soften our delivery. And the third reason, and this surprised me, I learned this from a voice coach named Linda Bryce. Linda lives in Europe now, but I met her when she lived in Oregon, and we have worked together for a long time. Linda says... One of the main reasons that we choose the words we do is based on fear. Hmm. She says that our biggest fear is that we will be shamed or humiliated or banished from the group when we speak up. So we freeze and we can't access our thoughts and we literally stop breathing. And while we stand there, madly trying to gather our ideas, we use various words to mask our anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was an eye-opener for me. I never thought about the fact that fear holds us back in many ways, including the words that we choose. And we can talk about those. Interesting,
0: because it really is it, an extension of that herd mentality. The You know, if we think about our primitive brains, our, our prehistoric brains, we were concerned with survival. And mm-hmm. being in part of a group, and in, in a herd, if you will, kept us or at least we thought it kept us safer than being out on our own. And so there's still that that mechanism in our brain that thinks we have to go along with the crowd. So whether that's talking a certain sort of street language of some sort, mm-hmm. perhaps making ref I think I hear a lot of language references to tell popular television shows, terms yeah. that have become popular on sitcoms and such. So it really is this effort of us trying to fit in, isn't it? To
1: fit in, correct. And, you know, the other piece is that we do want to be aware of the language that's used in our popular culture so we can understand it, but that doesn't mean we have to imitate it. There's nothing more unprofessional than a person who is in their prime of their career, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, who speaks like a teenager. hmm that's unappealing, that doesn't sound mature and it won't help you get the job or the promotion for sure.
0: We're talking specifically today about the the job interview. Mm-hmm. Certainly everything that we're talking about today should carry over, needs to carry over into the daily Life, your daily business life. Mm -hmm. What are some of the techniques that you have found to be useful working with your clients in in helping to identify those words? Because, as you pointed out, and I totally agree, a lot of times it is a lack of awareness. How do we help these? How do you help these people become more aware? And then, how do you help them to replace poor choices with better choices?
1: Mm, Great. Yes. Well, the first part of being aware is hearing yourself speak a certain way. And let's talk about some of the lists, and then we'll talk about how to identify those. The number one list that people always think about are those filler words. Uh, um, Like, you know, whatever. (laughs) But, But there is a filler word that people may not be familiar with using improperly, which I mean all the time thing. The thing is the most important thing, the thing I'm thinking about, the thing I'd like to offer this company. What is that thing? (laughs) You know, if it weren't a thing, what would it be? Is it a goal? Is it a decision? Is it an idea? Is it a challenge? The more specific you can be about your language, the stronger it can be. Another one of those filler words is so. So the next time so anytime this happens, so I said to the other person, <laughs> that's one of those transition words. I call it a wind-up word. When someone begins a sentence with so, I think, oh, they're going to start from the beginning of time. And,
0: I'm so guilty of this one, Tracy. Yes. I'm really I'm really trying to work on this one. I, I found that in the early days, I edited my own podcast. I now have somebody doing it for me, but I found that that was such a great way to become aware of how I was using fillers. And so is still the one I'm working on. It is, me
1: too, me too. And that's a great segue, Lisa, because I'm sure you had your podcast transcribed. You could see in black and white how many times (laughs) you used that word. And I did the same thing. I was getting ready to be on a podcast, a television show here in Portland. And I- About a week before any presentation, I begin to practice. I believe that practice makes progress, you all. You can never overpractice. And I put my cell phone on the shelf. I call it a shelfie. (laughs) And I pressed record. And in the course of a six-minute mock interview, I was practicing the answers to the questions. I used the word so 13 times. Oops. Oops. Once every 30 seconds unacceptable. The way to know what your words to lose are is to record yourself. Mm -hmm. You can either record yourself and listen to the playback or look at the transcription. And then I encourage people to practice the power of pause. If you know that uh, like, or you know, or so, or thing is one of your filler words that you want to lose, then you can practice the power of pause So that before you say it, you're, you're aware that you're going to do it. You know, there's a lot of power in pause. Comedians use this technique all the time before they deliver a punchline. They Mm -hmm. pause Mm -hmm. and that gets people attention. It gives you a chance to gather your thoughts and it gives other people, the listeners a chance to process what you've just said or to, to get ready to hear what interesting comment you're about to make.
0: And that's so much more powerful than either starting with a filler, like so, or, um, or, or whatever. Also, I, I think it just gives you this this sense of presence about you, right? It may calm you down that you're willing to take that moment. Yes. I think, I think there's a lot of power in, in pause. And, and in case you guys haven't figured that out, it is a PAUSE. We're not talking about PAWS. It's not the power mm. of pause. Although I think the power of pause, the other kind of pause is very powerful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. Fascinating. You should say that there is, the power of pause, but there's also power in pace. If you slow down your speech, I'm not saying to be boring, I don't want you to drag it out. But if you slow down your speech, then people will take you more seriously. I find when we get nervous, we tend to talk fast. Mm-hmm. We a lot of words together because we're afraid we're going to be interrupted. And that makes the, uh, that makes the listener agitated too. Take your time, have impact, choose your words carefully. And people will take notice. So, recording yourself is number one. Number two, the second group I call hedges. I don't call those linguists, call those hedges. Those are those small, sneaky add on words that soften our delivery. We don't want to come on too strong. We don't want to sound like we're being overbearing. Therefore, we use words such as just. I just have a quick idea. Mm. Checking in. I'm just wondering. I'm just checking back. That's a soft nudge, as if you want to get an answer from somebody, like, when am I going to get this report back from you so I can send it off to our manager? Or, I just have a quick question. That is a nudge to tee up a request. I'm just wondering if you've decided about. That's as if you're asking for permission or for an answer. It doesn't sound strong. That's a biggie. Do you hear people using that? I sure do, and I'm
0: thinking about some of the emails that I send out that I use. Just checking to see what you've decided. I need to get that out of there because it anything I think that you're talking about for the written for the spoken word applies to the written word as well.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And the beauty of email is that we can curate it. We can go back and find out where are those weak words when we speak we don't have that same opportunity. And what I'm finding in the world today, and I'd be curious on your take with this, Lisa, I find that people are used to texting and sending emails that they're more uncomfortable speaking face-to-face or even on the phone. Yes. Because we can curate, we we can make the perfect sentence, we can create the perfect post on Instagram or LinkedIn. And I think there's great value in practicing having real conversations with people, because that's where you get the feedback.
0: Absolutely, especially those difficult conversations. I just did an episode not long ago on how to have a difficult conversation Mm -hmm. with someone at work. I think that in today's world of emails and messaging and all of the all of the quick ways that we have, it can be really easy to fire off something when there is negative information to be delivered. And right. as a way to avoid that face to face, but it is not effective that one way conversation. Well, it's not a conversation. It's one way edict.
1: Monologue, it's, right. A
0: monologue, okay. exactly. It is does not serve us and it certainly doesn't serve the person that we're delivering it to.
1: I agree. I agree with you. Therefore, take take your time and learn what words you want to lose. We'll talk about some words to replace them with, and then you'll be more confident, as you were saying, in those face-to-face conversations.
0: One of the big ones that I'm hearing a lot uh, on, um, mostly podcasts, I think, that I'm listening to where they're interviewing someone, so it's not a scripted situation. They are being interviewed, and there's a lot of sort of
1: mm. you know?
0: it's it's gotten to the point where it's making me crazy and conversely i'm also finding it creeping into my vernacular because i'm hearing it so much i'm really watching that but it's you know i'm trying to give a good example someone well, might sort likes, of concerned about yeah and you know? there's they the sort of is Definitely a, a placeholder. It doesn't serve any purpose. Mm-hmm. There is a time and the place where sort of is appropriate, but they're using it excessively. I've I've heard people do it multiple times in one sentence.
1: Yeah, it, I, I'm going to pull out something and read it to you. I picked up a copy of Newsweek several months ago in an airport, and in the back there was an article about Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who's an actor. Right. Yeah. Third Rock from the Sun, Five Hundred Days of Summer, and he is a new Apple. T- Apple Plus TV series, it's called Mr. Corman, and he created it, wrote it, and directed it. And this is what he said, and I'll quote him in this article. He said, My aim was to write something, sort of, about myself that was kind of self-reflective. The adventure I went on in making this was kind of like arriving (laughs) at the place of adulthood. Oh, my word. Yes, my word. And And that that much excess...
0: Yeah, and it it, it that amount amount of excessiveness, you lose what he's trying to say.
1: Precisely, wow, Precisely. intense. Yes, no, it's it, it, it was intense, and of course, I've used it in many examples because people need to know that we hear it from famous people, from politicians, mm-hmm. from religious leaders, from you know influencers and business CEOs, and we need to be aware. I was working with a woman in the tech industry, quite successful in her mid-40s, had moved up steadily in the company. And during our conversation, she said to me, you know, I know my stuff and I'm pretty good at what I do. But lately, we've been hiring a lot of young talent and I just feel like I'm not being taken seriously. Like, like people don't see how capable <laughs> I am. And it's sort of rattling my confidence a little you know what I mean? <laughs> and I said to her, do you have a sticky pad? Do you have a sticky note? And she said, yes. I said, great. I want you to take that sticky note out because think about that, Lisa, how many words to lose do we hear in that, in those five? Oh,
0: can't count them all.
1: I know there were eight, eight <laughs> individual or pairs of words to lose. I said, all right, get out your sticky pad, sticky note. And I want you to write these four phrases on that sticky pad. From my perspective, what I know after 15 years in the tech industry or whatever industry you're in, our data shows and Mm -hmm. I recommend, as in I recommend this proposal. I said, now take that sticky note and put it up on the upper corner of your laptop. And every time you're sending an email on a Zoom call, having a phone call, having Mm -hmm. a conversation, use that language. Lisa? Lisa? Two weeks later, she called me back and she said, Tracy, this is amazing. She said, people are starting to treat me differently. They're listening to me differently. It's as if I have, I have more capability. I said, you always have, but now your words match your capability. Mm-hmm. Words have power. It was fabulous. I was quite proud of her.
0: Fascinating. And I'm thinking about, I I won't name the name, but I remember there was a political figure back, I don't know how far do we have to go back, 80s, 90s, who, Mm -hmm. I think he ran for president, but didn't, of course, make it. And the biggest negative comment, I guess, about him was how he spoke mm-hmm. and that it wasn't anything to do with his foreign policy, his domestic policy, any of that. It was his, the way he spoke and his, not accent, but his inflection, I guess it would be. Mm-hmm. the or delivery. The, his mm-hmm. delivery, yeah. So very interesting. Yeah. Y- you and I also talked before about vocal fry and about mm-hmm. up speaking. Talk to the, the folks a little bit about those.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of popular culture, (laughs) there are three different kinds of what I would call vocal habits. And this is not coming from me. This is coming from voice coaches and speech therapists around the world. One of them is upspeak. And we all know this it's the habit of making declarative sentences sound like questions. You'll be having a conversation and you'll be Asking a question in the middle of a sentence, but it's not really a question. <laughs> and we we get this. Some people think it started in the 90s with the Valley Girls, but you can tell that it's very prominent in the world today. And speech pathologists tell us and linguists, people who study language, tell us that people with upspeak sound hesitant, immature, and unconfid- un- unconfident. Yes. But they are completely competent. So give us an example of, a, of an upspeak. My name is Tracy Hopper, and I'm the founder of The Confidence Project, and I'm headquartered in Portland, Oregon, and this has been my business since 2014.
0: Did you guys notice every sentence? So the up part, the up-speak is at the end of the sentence, her voice goes up, and it doesn't sound like she really believes what she's telling us.
1: Exactly. And you lose your personal power. When you sound like you're asking a question, it sounds like you're asking permission. Am I okay? I'm not stepping on any toes. Am I? Asking these questions throughout a statement. And one of the techniques to to be mindful of upspeak, if it's something that you deal with, and many people do, is to consider yourself coming down the stairs. I don't want you to lower your voice. What I want you to think about is instead of saying my name is Tracy Hopper and I'm the founder of the confidence project c- come down the stairs my name is Tracy Hopper. step down the stairs and put a period i'm the founder of the confidence project period you want to make your sentences declarative and save those question marks for when you really ask <laughs> for an actual question an actual question yeah that's one vocal technique that's <laughs> epidemic Ex- it's not a excellent and <laughs> But the other one is vocal fry. And this happens when someone drops their voice into the lowest pitches that their voice can produce. It's like playing the the note D on the piano two octaves below middle C nonstop. (laughs) (laughs) And, And the result is that our vocal folds rub together and they swell. And that creates voice fatigue very fast. And then we have that scratchy, creaky, depressed kind of sound. And we all have the Kardashians to thank for that kind of technique. And I don't know whether, can you do it, Lisa? I'm not good at it. I need to learn how to do it so I can explain it better. You're talking about how to do vocal fry? (laughs) That's
0: it. Yeah, I I have to be very careful about this one because I, I am an alto and I have a lower voice and I have to be very careful not to do vocal fry and if there's anything going on with me, sinus wise, head wise, it really can go into it. But I will tell you, I listened to, tried to listen to a podcast that I was very interested in the topic I have shared on this podcast before that I am an, a true crime addict. Oh. And I don't remember the name of this particular podcast but I want to say that I had seen something about the moderator or the the host or whatever that she had a problem with vocal fry. I feel like I I think I knew it ahead of time that I had seen something. But had I not, I would have still been completely put off by it. And I I tried to listen to one episode because I again was very interested in the the particular true crime that she was talking about. I could not deal with the vocal fry.
1: I know it's very distracting. And think about that all your listeners who are getting ready to be in a job interview, you need to have that that natural lilt of your voice, that's what makes our voices interesting. We go up, we come down, we speak a little louder, we speak softer, we pause before we deliver. Those all make a big impact because you don't want to sound like everybody else. Who wants to be like it? You want to fit in, of course. You want to be yourself, of course. But you don't want to sound like everyone else in the world. Because why would they want to hire you? You could have all the credentials in the world, but if they're not, but if the way you speak is going to drive them crazy, you might not get that job. Here's the point. Everyone can have access to a voice coach. Voice coaches will not break the bank. You don't need to go to a voice coach forever. I've talked with Linda about this before, Linda Bryce, the voice coach who I've worked with. You don't need to see a voice coach forever. It's like going to physical therapy if you have trouble with your Achilles. You go for a certain period of time until you learn the skills, until you practice the skills to change up your, your, mm-hmm. those vocal habits. And one idea that you can definitely practice in terms of vocal fry or upspeak is to breathe. This is what Linda says, and I'm quoting her here. She says, breathing protects you. You can be terrified and still fuel your authentic voice by consciously breathing. Three deeps, deep breaths can get you into a meditative state to calm your nerves and strengthen your voice. That's interesting. Cool. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Our
0: listeners on this podcast, Tracy, love action steps that they can take with them and begin to implement right away. And, and this may be a review of some of the things that you've talked about already, but what are maybe three or four action items that you can recommend for our listeners to improve their what they do say and what they don't say?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Well, some of them will be repeated, but this is worth it. Record yourself. Yes. It's painful and it's illuminating. <laughs> Number one. Number two, ask a friend or a colleague if you could record a conversation. Say, I want to improve my communication. I want to be aware of some of the words that I use that I'm not aware of now. And in the beginning, your friend or colleague will say to themselves, perhaps, that's odd. I don't really <laughs> want to do that. That feels creepy. But after a couple of minutes, you'll be comfortable and, you'll, and you could talk about something as, as light as your favorite vacation spot or what you're planning to do next week you know with your grandchild or with a new baby or a new neighbor you're meeting it can be an everyday conversation and in the beginning you'll be very mindful of those words you want to lose but over time you'll slip into those words to lose and you'll be able to know those that's another idea is to record it with a friend practice the power of pause be aware of your pace use that post it note idea Find out what words you say too often that you're not comfortable with and put it on a post-it note. Give yourself 30 days to lose a word or gain a new phrase. Mm. We didn't really talk about phrases to gain, but... One area are called disclaimers where people say, Oh, correct me if I'm wrong, or you've been doing this longer, or what do I know? These are ways that we try to seem humble or modest, Mm -hmm. but they're not strong. The words that we can use instead, instead of saying, Correct me if I'm wrong, you could say, Let me know if I heard this correctly. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying you've been doing this longer, you can say, In my experience, those Mm -hmm. are words to use. Therefore, take some of those. Words to use that you want to focus on, and and give yourself thirty days to get those in your mental muscle. Seriously. Right, right, yeah. Because psychologists say it takes that long to get. Yes, it breathing is another is another technique. We you know we breathe all the time, but we don't really realize it. And the deeper you can breathe, if you can breathe from your diaphragm, from your belly, not up in your chest. You don't have enough space in your chest to get a good deep breath. But if you can breathe from your diaphragm, that will give you a stronger voice. And then decide. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell a quick story about my friend. My friend Mary uh, has a daughter who's in her mid-30s. And one day Madeline came over and and Mary said, at at the end of their afternoon, Mary Mary said, Maddie, could I give you some feedback on some language that I heard you use today often? And Maddie said, yes. I noticed you use the word, you know, a lot. And Maddie said, oh, okay. So she leaves and a couple weeks later, she comes back. And Mary noticed she did not say, you know, once during the whole afternoon. And finally, Mary said, Maddie, I noticed that you haven't said, you know, how did you do that? And Maddie said, I decided. Mm. Yes, yes. We totally
0: within our control. We, yes. we, No one's making us say these words. We can choose to say different words. I'd love for you, if you've got it handy, to give the listeners those four, I believe it was four sentences that you wanted your, your client to
1: replace.
0: Oh, yes. yes. Oh, I love yes.
1: those. From my perspective, what mm-hmm. I've learned, what I've learned after a decade in this industry or what I've learned after being an attorney for this amount of time or being in insurance or whatever is your field. Our data shows. (laughs) People can't argue with the data. (laughs) Our data shows. And then finally, I recommend. Mm -hmm. I recommend. Whenever you can use those I statements in my experience, from my perspective, what I've learned, I recommend. Anytime you can use those I statements, that's That's much stronger. Much stronger. Yes, I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm.
0: Tell the listeners how they can reach out to you and get connected with you, Tracy.
1: Great. I would love that. LinkedIn is great. Tracy Hooper is on LinkedIn. Instagram, it is theconfidence underscore project. And certainly they can reach out on my website, which is confidenceproject.com. Did you notice there, Lisa, how I paused a minute? Yes. To, and that was intentional. I perhaps over-exaggerated to make my point. Or they can reach out on my website, which is confidenceproject.com. That's a gift to you all, the listener. That as a speaker, I'm conscious that you're taking notes, you're writing this down, or you're thinking it through. I, As speakers, we want to make it easy for people to listen to us and relate to what we're talking to about. I love it.
0: I love it. And I believe you had an offer for the for the listeners as well.
1: I do. I offer a I have a monthly video series that's been going on for several years. And I offer a complimentary one to two minute video every month. And that's the only time I'll reach out and it'll land in your inbox. And it has to do something about a confidence technique, a skill, an idea. Last time, oh, my, I think my last one was about not using the word you guys all the time. Mm-hmm. I think okay. use you guys, I'm thinking, well, I'm not a guy. Uh, you know, how? what other words can you use instead of you guys? You can say you all, you could say everybody here, you could say team. That was one of my videos. So they're short and very actionable. And I would love if people want to sign up, they can go to my website. And at the bottom of each page, there's a place to sign up for the monthly video series.
0: We'll have all of that in the show notes. and Tracy, you're from the Northeast, I expected you to say "You skies." <laughs> I'm from Maryland. I think we oh, okay.
1: say that in what, Pennsylvania or New York?
0: New York, New Jersey. Oh my goodness. Jersey <laughs> Shore stuff. Well, I will tell you, Tracy, I did a presentation for the local SHRM group yesterday, their conference, which is the Society for Human Resource Management here in Tallahassee. And I my communication strategy which really worked because I know when you see my picture, those of you that have seen what I look like or have talked to me on Zoom, you know the first thing you think of when you see me is, I mean, she's definitely a rap star. So I rapped, I was doing something on on how HR can help hiring managers to do hire better, to, to, to work together better for better hires. And so I had a I had a hiring manager's rap and I had a HR manager's rap. And they they loved it. They clapped and they laughed. And I thought about wearing some, you know, I I used to call it my Mr. T starter kit, but that reference has kind of lost its luster over the years. But back in my early days when I was teaching dress in higher education, I would talk about the Mr. T starter kit.
1: you got to have a gimmick, don't you?
0: You do. I did. It worked. It really loosened them up as well as they were all nodding their heads agreeing with what I had said in the raps. So I think I was right on target. Uh, So I I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast, Tracy. This has been fantastic. Lots of fun. And I hope that you guys will reach out to Tracy. Take advantage of her monthly series. That sounds like a really great use of a couple of minutes of your time each month. Little bite-sized content. I think that's fantastic. So thank you so much, Tracy.
1: It's been my great pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: You guys take care and I'll talk with you next week. Be good. Bye. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review and subscribe to this podcast